Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Thank you for being with us. This program is produced weekly by the Christ Life Fellowship. Go to our website, christ-life.org. And don't forget, from that website, you can download past podcasts as well. We are in the process of hearing Warren Litzman in one of his many conferences in South Africa. It's really going great, and thank you for the wonderful response. We're so happy you're being blessed by it. Let's get right into today's section. Here's Warren. Number three, the ongoing believer knows that there is only one baptism. That is for him. Now, a lot of people have different baptisms. I ran into a man the other day that said our church has four different baptisms. I didn't even ask him what they were. I also ran into a fellow not long ago that said he had joined several different churches and he had been baptized in water nine times. In Ephesians 4 and 5, Paul says there is one baptism. I believe any ongoing believer will come to that. What is the one baptism? 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, where you are placed in Christ. By the Holy Spirit, you are baptized, placed in Christ. has nothing to do with water. The word baptized means complete immersion. When you were saved, you were completely immersed into Christ. That's the body you're in, the church you're in. The reason I can't ask you to join something here is because you're already in the perfect body. Can't offer you anything better than you already got. And if I offer you something, it'll only demoralize what you already have. One baptism. I won't argue over baptisms, but I follow Paul on this account. I have baptized hundreds of people in my lifetime. As a pastor, I baptized people every week because we had a big church until I couldn't baptize them anymore. I baptized all kinds of people. I baptized people that I thought they were going to die before I got them out of the water. <laughs> I baptized several people that I had to sit down on to get them all the way immersed. I literally sit down on them. I've had a great experience with water baptism. But when I decided to follow Paul, I heard Paul say, I baptized a few, but no more. Why did he say that? Because the one baptism should have covered that. Because the one baptism has you in Christ and Christ in you. It doesn't have you outside of the church and needing the church to do something to bring you inside. doesn't need that. You don't like that, just throw that part out. But an ongoing believer is going to deal with these sort of things. Going to deal with them. <clears throat> what is an ongoing believer? That's a term I'll use lots of times. That's a believer who can't be stopped in his growth. They're going on. They're going on. An ongoing believer 
will be in a box a few times because he's looking for more truth that will satisfy him. You get in a box of religion. You ever been in a box of religion? You're boxed in. You're told, believe this to be one of us. And if you don't believe this to be one of us, you won't be one of us. Boxed in. The only way you can get out of that box is to jump out of it. Or there's another way you can be kicked out of it. But the ongoing believer is not going to stop. He's going to keep on going. Now to some believers that becomes hard work. That's regretful because they don't have a good message to go with what they're doing. They don't have a good gospel. Because I have found this search for the fullness of Christ in my mind the greatest adventure I've ever been on. It is more thrilling than anything I've ever done. Because every once in a while on this journey I'm on, I keep on going, this journey I'm on has something to open up to me that I never dreamt of before. Right out of the Scriptures. Something I never saw before. I had it just to open up to me. There was a time I... I taught epistles on a college level. And you'd, you know, you'd think you knew, I knew the next verse that come after the verse. Knew, knew, knew what it said. If, if I didn't have it in memory, I could, I could say, well, that verse is there somewhere. I taught that. But I didn't have the slightest idea what it meant. I knew it. But I didn't know the Christ that had to do with it. That's the difference, you see. Learning this Christ that has to do with these scriptures. I don't read these scriptures to be smart historically. I read the scriptures and study them because that has to do with the Christ that's in me. You see, when I became a Christian, I had no background as a Christian. If God is my father, I'm not like an Israelite who have Abraham for a, a father. Every Jew can quote his history. He's got it written here in the Bible. His history goes all the way back to Abraham and even before. He can talk about how they, Abraham got to be Abraham. He has a history. When I became a born-again believer, I had no history outside of God being my father and his son being my life. So you know what I've had to do? I've had to take into my life that history. That's my history now. I'm in the family. I had to take on the God history. Like when I have eternal life in me, it not only is eternal future, it's eternal past. My life goes all the way back to eternal past. My history is in God. And then when Jesus comes to this earth, that's a part of my history. But when Christ comes to live in me as a new creation, that's my life. 
That's my life. So I don't have Abraham in my history. I don't have Moses in my history. My history is all in the Father and His Son, which would make Paul say, or John say, our fellowship is with the Father and His dear Son. Oh, you wasn't ready for that, was you? Because we all got our earthly history. But ultimately, your history is in your Father. Think of it. An ongoing believer will be ready for that. Point number four. A Christian taught by the Holy Spirit will learn the difference between the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Religion as it stands now has made them both the same. And there are places where both the same are so mentioned as such in the Scriptures. In fact, one place mentions the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and the Holy Spirit all in the same sentence. So that's a part of your history. You have the whole family involved in you. As Jews can say they're the seed of Abraham, we are the seed of our Heavenly Father, and that takes in everything that has to do with the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, as well as God the Father. That's what we are. But you need to separate the Holy Spirit from the Spirit of Christ. It is my personal feeling that the Spirit of Christ is not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can never give me what comes from Christ. The Holy Spirit didn't die for me. The Holy Spirit is not my Savior. The Holy Spirit is not my healer. The Holy Spirit is not my soon coming Lord. But the Holy Spirit is equally important because He's that part of God that wants us to know. When this council of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost drew up this plan, the obligation given to the Holy Spirit was to tell people what it was God was doing. So Jesus said when He comes to this earth, He'll not speak of Himself. He'll speak only of me. That's His mission. So the Holy Spirit has a distinctive mission. He's not our life. He's not the Spirit that gives us life, and He's not the Spirit that is our life. He's the Holy Spirit that functions in our doings, in our daily walk. He works in our mind. He works to teach us, to instruct us, to guide us, to help us along. That's His mission. So as you face the issue of what is a Christian, a Christian is one who knows the difference between the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Paul would say in Romans 8 and 9 that any man that did not have the Spirit of Christ was none of his. Now, theologians interpret that verse to mean the Holy Spirit. But I am never one who belongs to the Holy Spirit. I belong to Christ. He is my life. You understand the difference there? He is our life. The Holy Spirit 
teaches me that life. He is given to me as a comforter, a guide, a paraclete, one who walks alongside me. He's with me in my daily walk. Christ is my life, permanent. The Holy Spirit is the doer. He's the doer. Christ is the beer. In you, Christ is the beer. Not beer. A lady said one time, why would you call Christ beer? I said, please hyphenate the word. He's our beer. The Holy Spirit is our doer, hyphenated. Doer. Number five, <clears throat> an ongoing believer will learn that he died at the cross and ever since he was saved, his old life is dead. We will see as we get over into Philippians 3 further now that you have no life of your own. You were not intended to have your own life. That's why you needed a Savior. You couldn't save yourself. You were never intended to have a life of your own. Our world is so messed up today <clears throat> that the most criminal thing taking place in our world today is among women who abort little babies. Why is that the most criminal thing? Because they think they have their own life. Anybody that thinks they have their own life and does nothing but protect themselves in a selfish way is not an ongoing believer. I say this to you very personally, that an ongoing believer, a believer who knows that Christ lives in them, will realize they died to their self-interest, to their self-life, to their self-indulgence, they're dead to it on God's part. <clears throat> Sometimes people come to me and say, well, I have this problem, and uh, I really thought this is what I ought to do. This is what my life was all about. But the Lord didn't, didn't help me there. My answer to them was very simple. When you selfishly deal with God, He will unselfishly consider your problem like as if you didn't have it. Have you ever prayed a prayer and wonder why God didn't do something about it? It was a good prayer. You had a great need. Why didn't He do something about it? There are probably a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is He would say you, you pray wrong. You don't pray as one of my children. The second reason is you already have that if you knew it. Why should I keep giving you things I've already given you? Listen sometimes, the Holy Spirit's going to say that to you. Something you desperately need and want. We have so idolized people's prayer life that we got them praying for everything that comes along. Forgetting what was bought at the cross. Forgetting what happened when you were born again and God dumped the bucket of grace on you. Forgetting all that's happened. We selfishly go about saying, God, if you don't do this, you're just not God anymore. That's why I'm on the subject of the renewal of the mind. Get your mind straightened out to know who you are 
and what you are in Christ Jesus. A couple more things and I'll quit. Number six, the believer who is in Christ with knowledge will learn that the seed in him is incorruptible, that he has been rebirthed by a new father, and he will pick up life differently. He'll study to know life. Now, I have this point in there because I get kind of confused with human beings. I see a human being that will sit at a computer day and night till they learn it, learn what they want to know about it. I've seen families break up over the computer. I've seen kids get in a mess of trouble over their computer. And I'm not saying that you ought to stop the computer, but I'm using that as an example that I find very few people who will take the Word of God like Peter 1.23 that says that you have an incorruptible seed in you. I find very few people that will take that and do anything with it. We'll live on a computer day and night, but here is a verse of Scripture that says you have a God seed in you, that God cohabitated with you in an act of love and placed His seed in you. I don't find many books written on that subject. I don't find many people talking about it. If they are, I missed them somewhere. But an ongoing believer, a Christian, is going to find out about that seed, what it means, attach to it everything that Paul attaches to it that is yours in Christ. I found over 100 things that happened to a sinner when he was saved that most believers never come to the knowledge of. But the Scripture says they are his. That's what happened to you. One more thing. Number seven, a Christian is going to move from faith to faith. A little verse of Scripture says something about that. But what you're going to do is move actually from your faith to His faith. That's what Christianity is all about, moving from your aspect of life to His. You're going to move from that. And a good place to consider it is in faith. This, this, this straightened me out once and for all about faith because I used to teach on faith all the time. I've even written books on it. I hope you never get a hold of one. <laughs> but the believer moves from his faith to the faith of Christ. You need a King James for this, but I'll give you the scripture, some of the scriptures that will help you because my time has passed. I'm already into the supper time now. Romans 3.22, Galatians 2.16 and 20, Galatians 3.22, Philippians 3 and 9, all of these verses say that it is the faith of the Son of God. How could you muster faith to get things from God when Christ within you is your life, your intercessor, your total everything, 
But on the side, you want your own faith instead of trusting the faith of the Son of God. It's a whole new world, believers. It's a whole new world. Paul brings us into a whole new and different understanding of what a Christian is. He doesn't tie Jesus of Nazareth to it. He doesn't tie the Old Testament to us. He doesn't talk about Moses. He doesn't talk about David. The only things he talks about out of the Old Testament are the things that concern the Jews who sat in his meeting who are wanting to know what their relationship is with Christ. He no longer even knows Christ in the flesh. He has moved on to a new and different world, a different understanding. It's all written there plainly. I encourage you to study it, to seek after it. You'll even find in these verses I gave you that the faith you had to accept Jesus was given to you by God. But under the law, you had to have faith. In the kingdom message, you have to have faith. Jesus says if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains and whatever. But that's different. That's a different world there. We're now in a world on this earth where Christ is life. And we are his offspring. Enough said. Day is over. Would you stand, please? I hope you have a new respect for your neighbor there. Look at that person on either side of you. They got Jesus living in them. A very personal Christ to them. He lives in them. I want you to know that more than any other one thing. That's what happened to you when you were saved. Well, I see Jesus in you. I see Jesus in you. In your life and all that you do. I see Jesus in you because I see Jesus in me. I see Jesus in me, in my life and all that I do. I see Jesus in me. That's it. Hug every neck you can. God love you. We're going to stop right here, but another great section from one of the many conferences Warren Litzman did in South Africa. We hope you've enjoyed this. Hey, don't forget to visit our website, christ-life.org. Check us out, see what the In Christ message is all about. And don't forget to go to our bookstore and find some wonderful material from Warren Litzman. Books, tapes, videos, it's all there. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go through the archives each week to bring these wonderful messages to you. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced every week by Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.